What does it mean to build a business that lights you up? It means building a business to support the life that you really truly want to live. Because when you achieve that, that's what success is. And today's guest is going to show you how to make that happen. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome back, Rebels. An important topic today, and we have just the person on the show to teach us all about it, Katherine Binkley. Katherine is a business strategist and success coach on a mission to help entrepreneurs live their best lives by creating wildly profitable businesses. She's also the host of the podcast In Light of Success. After 10 successful years in the marketing agency world, Catherine ventured out to truly take control of the impact that she could have on those craving success, flexibility, happiness, financial freedom, and she hasn't looked back since. Now Catherine spends her time helping entrepreneurs move past their mindset blocks, plan and implement strategies that actually drive results and unlock their true potential waiting to be shared with the world. She has a no-nonsense, tough love approach and a decade plus of experience. It's never long before Catherine's clients begin to actually build a life that does light them up while filling their days with purpose, passion, and a healthy pipeline of swoon-worthy customers. Today, we're talking about building a business that lights you up. This means doing the work that's meaningful to you and crafting your work around what you want out of life and not the other way around and not according to what other people think your life should or shouldn't be. This means not becoming a slave to your business or to your customers as oftentimes we can fall into that trap. It means setting boundaries and we're talking about all of that today. But before the interview, just a quick ask from me to you, would you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review? Those reviews mean the world to us and they really, really don't take you a lot of time at all, probably a second or two. Leave us a review and you'll be entered automatically to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we reach the next 50 reviews. It's a win-win for everyone. All right, Rebels, let's turn it on over to the interview. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a marketing and mindset coach for entrepreneurs who want to will, want to build that wildly profitable business. And I know we're going to talk about it, but still got to say it, that lights you up. And so that's what I'm all about. I help entrepreneurs, mostly service-based B2B entrepreneurs um, to imagine that dream life and then create it through their entrepreneurial journey. That's beautiful. Where, what were you doing before you got into this? So I worked for full service marketing agencies for my career from the moment, well, maybe not moment, but literally two days after I graduated from college, I went straight into my first job and uh, worked as a marketing strategist, account executive in the ad agency, marketing agency world, and uh, spent all of my time there until I decided to start my business. Okay. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to, to jump out of that and into your own thing? Oh my goodness. So many things, but I would say first and foremost, the idea of freedom, right? Like being able to work whenever, wherever, with whomever, not reporting to anyone, just that, that freedom all around financial freedom. Of course, um, 
I'm a, a big driver for me is independence. And so this definitely fulfilled that for me. Oh yeah. I can definitely uh, relate to that for sure. Do you feel like your own experience kind of informs what you teach other people to do in terms of marketing and mindset and building that business that really lights you up? You know, I, I think yes. And so while I certainly pull from my own experience and I'm relatable because of my own experience, I also have more than a decade of experience working with hundreds or maybe even thousands because I haven't counted other clients throughout my career. And so I don't, what I don't do is teach my clients to be clones of me. So yes, my experience informs what I teach and how I teach. But at the same time, I know that there's no cookie cutter approach and I recommend that everyone pursue what lights them up, which is quite possibly different than what lights me up, which means you got to do something different to get there as well. Sure. So let's dig into that term, uh, the phrase lights you up. What does that mean exactly? I like to look at it from a few different angles, but first of all, that you are living the life that you truly want, which means you have to know what you want. And that sounds kind of funny maybe, but a lot of people really don't know what they want when we first start working together. They have some idea some glimpse that they may not even think is possible, but what they're aiming for is often shaped by what everyone else thinks that they should have or looking at other people and seeing what they call successful. And it's all of these ideas. So we've got to shed all of that and figure out what, what you as the entrepreneur really want. And then that's the life that lights you up because you're um, on fire and passionate about what you're doing. You feel called to it and are working with this higher sense of purpose. Um, also lights you up. Like I, I sometimes talk about being a litpreneur and that phrase lit um, in the sense of also like just on fire as in getting results as well. So really hitting it from both the passion and purpose angle, but then also the results side of things. It's really interesting. Um, I love that you mentioned that you help people really tune into what they want as opposed to what people around them want. I imagine that that's very difficult to do, especially in a society where we're so plugged into what other people are doing. How do you guide people and and kind of like shutting out other people's thoughts and perspectives and really honing into their own? Yeah. So it's often a series of conversations, one-on-one calls, or some journaling exercises, but starting to, to just first and foremost, imagine that dream life. If you could do whatever you wanted to do today, what would you do? If you could have it however you wanted, you know, 10 years from now, what would that life look like and starting to dream? And often people are, are a little more able to connect to that vision when they are dreaming versus limiting themselves about what's actually possible. Um, so I can start to see glimpses of it from the very first conversation where I ask them, okay, if you could just drop blue sky, whatever you wanted was possible, what would that be? And some of it will come out. But then the challenge is them really believing it's possible. Mm-hmm. And we have to dive into all, all the mindset work, all the limiting beliefs and the fears around why they think that's not, I mean, maybe they think it's possible for other people, but oftentimes 
they don't feel like it's possible for them, right? Right, right. It's really fascinating because we we do live in a society that's completely opposite from what you're talking about, where mm-hmm. we're kind of like trained to want the same thing or think we want the same thing. And it mm-hmm. sounds like your work is really breaking down those barriers that we've kind of like created for ourselves growing up. Yeah, you know, as I was, I mean, through this work, as I've reflected and really thought about why I even do some of the things that I do at some point along the way, I realized, you know, and it's exactly what you're saying. It goes back to childhood as, as a child, we're taught to fit in. We're taught to be good and not to make a scene and to be quiet and seen and not heard and all of these things. And those patterns serve us well as children to not get into trouble but, and to be liked and to make friends, right? But mm-hmm. over time, they don't serve us as well anymore because all of a sudden we're blending in with everyone else and we've really stuffed down all of these ideas of, of what we actually would enjoy or what we would actually want. And I think that women struggle with this probably more so than men too, who are kind of more encouraged to do whatever you know they're driven to in terms of like a career standpoint and women are kind of guided more towards the marriage kids suburban house lifestyle for sure i've definitely seen that there are so many women who have gone down that path and i mean i have as well and i don't think that it's necessary that every woman take that path but if that is a path that a woman thought that she wanted oftentimes on the other end, when they become my client, I see that, okay, they, they did want that, but maybe not for the reasons that they thought they did, or they've allowed that to take over their identity. Yeah. I think, I think if anything in society, like the, the ideal picture of what your life should be will actually fit a small percentage of society. Like that is ideal for some people, but it's just not as clear as that. There are always going to be people that don't fit into that or partially fit into that. And it sounds like the work that you do is really helping people find their space. So Mm -hmm. what do you think is the big difference between having a business that lights you up and one that doesn't? It's such a dramatic difference. I mean, every day waking up and looking forward to everything and knowing that you have the ability to shape your day and, and do what you want. And you know, as we're recording this, we're coming off of a recent Mother's Day weekend. And so I'll use this as an example. Um, this past weekend, I had traveled before and I'm actually traveling this week. So it was important for me to take some downtime. And my husband asked me, so what do you want for Mother's Day? And normally that's just him like, okay, I don't know what to get. I don't know what to get you. I want to make sure that you like it. <laughs> Can you give me a list, right? Well, I actually took it as an opportunity to think about what would I really love to do? Like if I had everything I wanted this weekend, what would that look like? And it wasn't anything crazy extravagant, but as I started to literally journal about it, all of a sudden this itinerary for the weekend, very loose, like relaxed itinerary, but a few things that I wanted to do started to emerge. And so I just sent him a list and it was as simple as just outlining and knowing what I wanted, 
asking for it. And then I got it. And it was the most incredible weekend. And it could have been a weekend of rushing around and doing things that I felt like I should do or needed to do or that they wanted for me. But instead, it was just doing what I wanted to do. And it's hard to put into words what that feels like. Um, Feels good. (laughs) Yeah, it just feels really, really good. Yeah, that's interesting that you're able to pull this to your personal life because there should be that overlap, I think. Like what makes us feel good and work often is going to make us feel good at home. Right. And you know, that's a big part of this business that lights you up as well because the whole point is not to have a business that's running you around and and pulling you away from the life that you want to live. It's to create this business that enables you to live whatever life that that you want. Um, and so, yeah, that's so, so important. Such a note. It's hard to distinguish between the two in my work. And oftentimes, cause I'm, I'm not working with, I have worked with huge companies over my career, but now I'm focused on mostly really small micro businesses, either solopreneurs or just a few people on a team. And so there's a very, very big difference there. And the lines blur between business and life quite a bit. Now, I imagine when you're building this business that really, really lights you up and kind of puts a fire in your belly, um, that can easily be a slippery slope for a lot of people who don't really know how to set boundaries for themselves yet so early in their business. They can just work all the time and really fall into that hustle mindset. Is that good? Is that healthy? What are your recommendations for that? Yeah. So this is something that I have experienced myself. I love to work. Absolutely love what I do. And you're right. It is a slippery slope because it's so easy to continue to work. But I have firmly taken the stance of being anti-hustle. And so even though I still work whenever I want to work, it's only when I want to work. If I don't feel good about it or I feel pressured to or forced to, then the results the results aren't going to be what I want them to be. I'm not going to enjoy it. So I've just chosen not to work then. Um, but in my experience, when I left full when I left my um, nine to five, started working full time in my business, I was working all of, all the time. And I felt like I needed to. But then one day I woke up and it was like, wait a minute, like I built this business because I wanted to live this life that I wanted, but it's not looking anything close to what I imagined right now because I'm working all the time. And sure, it's great to say I have the flexibility and can do whatever I want to do, but I'm not exercising that. And that's what it came down to. I did have the freedom that I wanted, but I wasn't using it, at least not often. And I turn in my nine to five for a 24 seven and that just wasn't what I wanted. So I had to reevaluate. Um, when, when I realized that, that's when I started to make several shifts that really have helped me take a step back and simplify because marketing, you've probably heard of the Pareto principle, um, of your results come from 20% of what you do and marketing is so true. Um, That's, that's so true for marketing. Um, 
and in business. And so I looked at what was really working and what I could simplify and scale back on. And a lot of the things that I felt like I should do or needed to do, I really didn't, or I could automate or delegate. Can you give us some examples of some of those things that you ended up weeding out that weren't so important? Yeah, sure. So I've, okay. So, oh my goodness, I could give so many examples. So (laughs) the first thing I was creating so much content, so much content. And the thing is, if you look from the outside in at my business, it looks like I still am. But the crazy thing is that I was creating everything as a one-off piece. So podcasts, blog posts, um, emails, social media posts, everything. So one of the first things that I did was just figure out a system for repurposing all of my content. So I show up and do only a couple of things live. And then as I brought on more team members, I outsourced to them repurposing all that content. So now every time I do a Facebook live, it goes on a list that becomes a a task in Asana for my writer to repurpose the Facebook live into a blog post. Every podcast and blog post go into the queue for her to turn into an email to send out. And I just begin automating that whole process so that I don't have to create everything. I just create a few things that only I can create that actually need my voice. And then I'm able to outsource the rest. Um, And then other things as simple as, well, it sounds so simple yet in the moment, it's something that so many entrepreneurs feel that they need. I kept getting so inspired as a visionary entrepreneur, so inspired with all these ideas for new offers. Mm -hmm. And that sounds amazing until you realize that every new offer requires so many things behind it to make it successful and it divides your focus. And so I just simplified and got rid of so many, I say got rid of, but sometimes I put it on the back burner or put it like in a little notebook for inspiration. If I ever want to revisit something, I don't think that you should let go of those ideas completely. But I committed to myself that I'm just going to have, for now, a few key offers and just really work to make those successful. Because what I found when I did the math is with only three offers and really even fewer if I wanted, but I wanted three tiers, really high ticket, medium, and then a really low ticket, more passive option. Um, With those three alone, I could more than surpass seven figures in my business. Mm-hmm. I didn't so, need more. Yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing that you were able to, to really simplify your business, make it super strategic um, and end up spending less time working, but getting more out of the work that you were putting in um, yeah. to really bis- build this business that's not only successful, but also brings you closer to that ideal life that you want to be living. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. I think that that's like a, a great takeaway for everyone listening that like, I love that, that saying that you get, you know, most of your results from 20% of the work that you put in. And I would say that that's definitely true. Um, so how else do you feel like building a business lights you up really ties into time management, if at all? 
You know, I do talk about that with my clients. I think that for every client, it's a little different. Some struggle with wanting to do some of the work and some work all the time. And so it does vary. But I would say that the biggest thing is really getting clear on the priorities for life and business and then scheduling them. And so that is something that comes up in the sense of time blocking and project management and making sure you're spending your time on those 20% activities that are giving you the 80% of results. So um, I mean, I guess I really haven't thought about it so much as time management is just being strategic with, mm-hmm. with your marketing, but it's, it's exactly that. You're just taking the amount of time that you want to work and being intentional with it. Now, when you're thinking about building a business that really brings you joy and lights you up, um, I imagine there are also uh, elements to this where you have to ask yourself, what do I enjoy doing at work and what do I really detest doing? So (laughs) do you talk a lot about outsourcing? Yes, absolutely. There, I was actually just chatting yesterday with one of my team members, and she was asking me um, why I hadn't outsourced some design work sooner. And I had done projects here and there, but not had a team, a dedicated team member to help with design all the time, like every week, meet those needs. And it was simply because I actually enjoyed doing that myself more than other things, like bookkeeping and copywriting, like. Those were some of the first things to let go of for me because I did not enjoy them. Or or if I did, it was to a much lesser degree. I mean, for me, copywriting is just one of those things where I've been told over my entire career that I'm an incredible writer, but for me, it just feels so painful and it feels like it takes so long. I sit in front of my computer screen and stare and don't get something like a simple email done for potentially hours. It's just a grueling process. And yet at the end, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty good. A lot of people are like, wow, you can write, but they don't know the trouble that went into it. And so that's just not fun for me. And so I chose to outsource that pretty, pretty quickly in my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are definitely things I can think of in my business where um, I am pretty good at them, but just really, really don't enjoy doing them like at all. Mm -hmm. They just kind of, and I think that if you're doing too much of the stuff that you really don't enjoy doing, then it's going to prevent you from showing up every day or in a way that's like really successful. Do you find that to be true for, for you and for your clients? Yeah. If you get stuck trying to work through the list of, of all the things that, I mean, that you just hate doing if I mean that's a strong word but sometimes we feel that way right if that's what's on your list then sometimes I ha- I have had clients and I've had days myself where I didn't show up at all like I knew what was on my to-do list and I did not want to do it so I just that whole day in my business I kept thinking that I needed to get this done and okay I'm going to sit down and do this but in a few more minutes right and by by the time I actually glanced at the at the clock I'm like oh my goodness, I wasted an entire day because I was dreading these tasks. So sometimes I have had days where I've gotten nothing done or other days where 
I just kept putting projects off and focusing on, I mean, have you, let me phrase it this way. I've had clients do this. And again, I have as well. I think all of us have, have you had a task list and you start choosing the small items or the, the fun items and you just keep pushing those other tasks off day <laughs> after day, after day, after day. Oh, and yeah. oh yeah. 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 There's something that you set as a goal for, you know, one month or one quarter and it's still on your list the next month or the next quarter because you really don't want to do it. And so I, I teach to either just decide not to do it. And I actually just recorded an episode on my podcast about finishing what you start and only starting things that you're committed to finishing. And so I think that that's key, like upfront, not opening a project if you don't really intend to finish it or if it's not going to light you up or if it actually needs to be completed, then having a plan from the very beginning for how that's going to get done through automation or outsourcing or something else. I imagine this requires a lot of honesty with yourself. Um, Cause I know for me uh, personally, there are definitely things that I feel confident that I'm going to be able to execute and do. But then when I really, really think about it, <laughs> am I really going to get that done in the way that I want to get it done? You know, it, it does require some level of honesty. What if people listening are not sure whether or not they're being a hundred percent honest with themselves or, you know, they're just not sure how to, how to do this whole system of analyzing what lights me up and what doesn't light me up. What do you recommend for those types of people? Well, so first, first I would say, okay, so I'm going to make an assumption here that it's already passed the test of fitting into your strategic plan. It's already part of that 20% because I could go down a rabbit hole with first making sure that you should even be doing that thing. But mm -hmm. assuming it's past that test and it's going to help you meet your goals, I would say looking at all of the things on your list and rating them. So rating them based on how much something lights you up. I, what I like to say, I talk a lot about impact versus effort to decide what to do strategically. But then if there are tiebreakers or things that are, if you need a tiebreaker or if there are several things that are on the list and you don't know what to, to go with, the tiebreaker is always what lights you up. And so sometimes I've just had clients rate every single item on a scale of one to 10 for what lights them up and to focus on those. And then if it doesn't fall into the top, you know, two or three to put those on the back burner or, you know, on this list for maybe later, right? Maybe next quarter. And even if it does fall within the top three and, and you still are so passionate about the first item, but not the third. Um, I think that's where the project planning piece really comes into play. And oftentimes at that point, if it's made it to the top two or three for what lights you up, then you are excited enough about it. It just may be that you overestimate what you're able to accomplish in a given amount of time, which is a completely different issue to solve. Mm -hmm. And that's where we look at team um, or systems to help. Okay. And what about for people who might not have the funding or the budget to be able to outsource tasks that really don't bring them joy in their business? What, what do you suggest for, the, for those types of people? So I would first challenge the belief that they 
don't have the funds to invest um, and, and really work through the money mindset there around even what the return on that investment looks like. Um, if you're outsourcing the right things, anything that you do, whether you're doing it or outsourcing it, it should be done in a business because it's going to make money. Um, and so looking at what that return on investment would be and then evaluating options. There are options that are a lot lower cost than you might imagine. Um, if you outsource internationally versus locally or, you know, we're not talking about hiring a full-time employee right off the bat. Um, so yeah, I would, I think I would start by, by even challenging that you'd be surprised at, at how affordable it could be to hire someone for even just 10 hours a month to start handing off a few things to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely, it can be easy to fall down the trap of thinking I don't have a budget, but it's also short-sighted thinking because yeah. the budget is the very thing that will help you grow your business and get more leads and, you know, turn them into customers faster. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the question of, you know, what would, for me, like what would eight figure Catherine do? And for, for you, if you're listening, whatever your next milestone is that you want to hit, whatever that big goal is, like the huge goal, not just like what is, you know, thousand dollar Catherine doing, but what's that eight figure Catherine? Um, what decision would she make right now? And then starting to act right now as if you're already that person and making decisions from that place, which then makes it somewhat obvious. Like, okay, if I want an eight figure business, I'm not going to be able to do it all myself and working around the clock versus handing off some time to someone else is going to lead to burnout and not that eight figure business one day. And that definitely brings it back full circle to building the business that really, really lights you up. And you kind of have to start there in order to make those decisions with what you do with the budget or what you don't do with the budget. Yeah. Cool. All right. Is there anything else that you feel like is really important for us to address while we're on this topic? If you think that you're playing big, there's always room to play bigger. And so just a reminder to dream bigger and show up bigger and act as if you're already that person that has that grand vision of a business that you're dreaming of one day or that life one day. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Every time that I feel like I'm playing big, I have a moment where I realize that I'm still playing small in some way. And so I encourage you to think about what that is for you. Love it. That's a great place to wrap up. Catherine, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Can you tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would I would love to direct everyone to alight.com, A-L-Y-G-H-T.com, and then uh, – forward slash client dash attraction dash masterclass. And I'll give you that link. Hopefully cool. I said the slash right. Um, <laughs> but I have a free masterclass all about client attraction. Um, and once you go there and register, you'll have access to find me everywhere else online. All right. We'll drop all those links in the show notes. Catherine, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. 
Next time on Rebel Boss Ladies, we're going to hear from Shannon Mattern as part of our Real Rebel series, how she built up her biz enough to finally quit her job. If you're interested in building a side hustle up that eventually replaces your full-time income, this will be a not-to-miss episode coming at you next week. Stay tuned. For now, I'm your host, Eden Freed. Remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time. Thank you.